Welcome to the Lost Tapes of History podcast. You're about to eavesdrop on the first few minutes of a private conversation between one of England's monarchs and, frankly, someone just trying to do their job. The date is January 1696. James II is in exile in France. He is writing his memoirs and contacts a publisher to see if they are interested in publishing his manuscript. I prefer a good Catherine Cookson myself. Come. Oh, who is it? It's Rebecca Lumley, your mad... That happens a lot. Please, sit down. Thank you. I must say, it's very exciting to meet a potential author with such regal connections. We've not published anything royal in a while. Not since The Romantic Adventures of Charles II, Volume 32. (laughs) Well, I hope I can interest you in my manuscript while you're here. I'm eager for it to get the audience it deserves. I'm sure. Did you manage to bring all your notes with you to exile? I came to France in a hurry. I didn't have much time to pack. I had things sent over. Ten volumes of diaries and four volumes of correspondence. That's an expensive trip to the post office. My sketched memoirs had already been taken out of England on board the Tuscan ambassador's yacht. A yacht? It's not a one-volume deal from the sounds of it, then? I think there's enough material to cover ten volumes. Oh, dear. You know we don't give unpublished authors in advance anymore. Oh, the money is immaterial. It's more important that my story is told. That's what they all say until the savings run out and they're eating cat food. In case anything happens to me, I'm leaving all my papers to the Scots College in Paris. Sounds sensible. So what are we talking here, fiction or non-fiction? Oh, non-fiction. It's based on my life. It's a memoir. Do you have a working title? The Incredible Life and Exciting Times of King James II, His Royal Majesty, who was so injuriously exiled from his glorious country that... That's all still the title. Well, there's still more, after the interruption. I hope you don't mind me offering constructive criticism, but a shorter, snappier title will be more appealing. Also, if it's not incredible or exciting, we may have a lawsuit on our hands. Oh, it's definitely incredible and exciting. Or your money back? Mm, Well... Didn't think so. Look, perhaps you should give me some highlights and I can see if I think it's got legs. Highlights? It's about your life, isn't it? So, what are the most interesting bits? What's going to interest the readers? Well, I start with my family. Both my father and brother were king before me. Both called Charles. I was, am, uh, was, Duke of Albany and York. Do you know any celebrities? Madam, I am a celebrity. I'm the King of England. Uh, Was the King of England. I'm, uh... Is it going to be a kiss and tell? Any gossip we should know about? Nell Gwynne's expose, How I Banged the King of England, sold rather well. 
Mind you, it wasn't exactly kiss and tell. It was more of a... My first wife was the daughter of the Chancellor, Lord Hyde. On the eve of the return of my brother to the throne, we found out that she was with child and we were unmarried. Yes, that's exactly the kind of thing. Anything scandalous. It was scandalous. Charles was very angry. It took a while for him to give us permission to marry. But very romantic. Did you have children? Anne and Mary. Then my wife died. Oh, very good. Yes, tragic. I married my second wife, Mary, in September 1673. Ah, second chances. Readers love that. Give some hope. Don't worry if your marriage turns sour, you can get another one. Kids too. Our son was born in 1677, but didn't survive. I think I read about that. Wasn't he a very small baby? Mm, small? Hmm, and flat. Flattish. What are you talking about? Never mind. Well, good. Lots of tragedy so far. Always gets a reader on your side. Not seeing the exciting stuff yet, though. Well, 1642 was quite exciting. Charles and I were at the Battle of Edge Hill. We had a very narrow escape from enemy forces. Charles fled to France and I was held captive. Oh, yes. A bit of adventure doesn't hurt. The man in the iron mask, that kind of thing. What happened? One night I escaped and met my associates in the park. I disguised myself in women's clothing and headed down the river by barge to escape. Right. So... The man in the cotton bonnet, then. Does Charles feature a lot in your manuscript? He was my brother. When he was king, I was closely involved with things. You got on, then. That's a shame. More interesting when siblings argue. Elizabeth Tudor's book about her sister Mary, Bloody Hell I Thought She'd Never Die, had that as a central theme. Sold very well. Charles granted me the colony of New Netherland in the Americas. It was renamed New York in my honour. Hang on. New York is named after you? That's right. Brilliant. Drop in a few other international connections and you can say hello to translation rights. Right. Any daring military escapades I should know about? Bravo. 1642. It's got a ring to it. Someone once said, if ever there was a man of the world without fear, it was the Duke of York. Did you have 10,000 men by any chance? What? You know, the Duke of York who had 10,000 men. What are you talking about? Oh, the grand old Duke of York, he had 10,000 men. He marched them up to the top of the hill and he marched them down again. When they were up, they were up. And when they were down, they were down. And when they were only halfway up, they were neither up nor down. Who is this idiotic fool marching soldiers up and down all over the place? Why didn't half stay at the top and half stay at the bottom? And then they could fight in both directions. Good point. Not you, then. Besides, I'm not an army man. I'm Lord Admiral. I was Lord Admiral. I'm a navy man. Well, there's no marching, 
Not enough room on ship. Lord Admiral sounds impressive. Had the job since the age of three. Peeps praise my understanding of naval business. He's my chief secretary of the Admiralty. Uh, sorry. Was. He was my chief secretary. Do you know him? Oh, uh, yes, I've heard of Samuel Peeps. We didn't manage to sign him, though. Lovely chap. Wonder how he's getting on. So, you were going to tell me about your daring military escapades. I hope there are some. There was one particularly bloody incident. The Battle of Lowestoft. Oh, yes. I stood with the Earl of Falmouth and Richard Boyle when both were killed by the same shot. Blood and brains flew into my face. Boyle's head hit me when he went down. It was thrilling, I can tell you. Verging on horror. Bit of blood doesn't hurt. Look at King Stephen. No. Hang on. Oh, I've got that wrong. Happy days. Until 1673, of course. What happened in 1673? The Test Act happened, that's what. I was removed from my position as Lord Admiral because it prevented Catholics from holding office. Ah, your religion. Will that be covered in the book? Of course. You know my father forbid me from following my mother's religion. Tell kids one thing and they do the opposite. We have to be careful with religion. It can divide our audiences. Henry VIII's book, Sodju Pope, I'll do what I like, divided people. Not to mention the country. I was received into the Catholic Church in 1672, but I continued to attend Church of England services for four years afterwards. So I can talk about both. Well, that helps. Mind you, once they found out, I was sent to Brussels. I'm not sure a travelogue of Brussels will sell, to be honest. Lady Mary Wortley Montague's book on Constantinople and another thing about Ottoman women didn't sell well, despite all the descriptions of nude Oriental ladies. Ever been to Amsterdam? I was in Scotland for three years. Is that better? During the Edinburgh Festival? No. I'll pass then. What's next? They tried to kill me. Marvellous. Bit of peril. Thanks to the Rye House plot, I was finally restored to the Cabinet and reinstated as Lord Admiral. Greatest day of my life. Except for your coronation, of course. Of course. In 1685. Then it all went downhill. Are you sure you're not that Duke of York? No. So you're now king? The public will want a tale of lavish spending and indecent wealth. People love a bit of what they want but can never have. Remember that James I book, Why I'm Skint and How I Did It? Very popular. I had lots, but I never bought gems or furniture with it. Nor did I build palaces. I spent it all on making great ships and cannons and guns. I see. No bling, then. Your nephew. Which one? Which one? I don't have a good track record with nephews. What? Charles's son, the Duke of Monmouth, was my nephew, and I had him beheaded. And William of Orange is also my nephew. Don't talk to me about family loyalty. 
Oh, right. I see. No, I was referring to the one who married your daughter Mary. The orange one. Yes, well, he's why I'm here. I had to flee the country for my life. They raised an army against me. What did you do? Raise an army to fight back? March them to the top of... I threw the great seal into the river. Hoped it would delay Parliament. Did it work? No. I bet they had a spare I didn't know about. So you legged it? The first time I tried it, I was seized. Seized? Did your customs label fall off? A gang of fishermen in Faversham mistook me for a fleeing priest. They rifled through my pockets and stole my money. That's Faversham for you. I was paraded back to London. Everyone turned out to see me. Two merchants even thrust their heads into my coach. I feared for my life. So you were put in prison? I was moved to Rochester. Close enough. I lived on the High Street at the home of Sir Richard Head, under house arrest. Richard Head? Yes, the former mayor and MP. Do you know him? That wasn't... Never mind. At least we got some comedy in there. It was all looking a bit dry up to now. Anyway, I got the distinct message that my son-in-law wanted me to leave the country forthwith. One-way ticket to Rio? He made sure we had blank passports. We could leave England with no questions asked. So you did. How did you leave things? I left a note in my lodgings. It said I was going to seek foreign aid to restore me to the throne. And then I hopped it to France. Interesting. Did you have an eventful trip? When we neared France, we fried some bacon. There was a hole in the bottom of the pan. I've never eaten more heartily in my life. I mean, it's not a classic anecdote. I had diamonds sewn onto the buckles of my shoes. Whereas that is... And I was welcomed by the French King Louis. And you've set up an English court here? Indeed. I have many subjects that have followed me here into exile. How do the French feel about that? They've set up a brewery inside my castle. It's not Cronenberg, is it? I like that. <laughs> Anything exciting happening here? I rise at seven or half-past and say morning prayers. Take a walk, attend to any business, read a while, entertain guests, and finally sleep. But never longer than eight hours in bed, no matter the circumstances. I'm going to take that as a no. Why aren't you getting militant, trying to invade England? You're very calm, I must say. I am a victim of tragic circumstances over which I have no control. Indeed, I believe I was born to be the sport of fortune. I see. But don't you miss London, the buzz? I miss the Jacobite drinking dens. The pubs, of course. The dog in Drury Lane. The half moon in Cheapside. The blue posts in Spring Garden. The king's head? Probably not. You've got a lot of time on your hands. Are you reading a lot? Oh, no. 
I have a profound aversion to novels and works of fiction, but I do read my Bible. All right, well, that worries me. If you don't read fiction, how do you know what good storytelling looks like? How, how do you know about narrative, plot and characterization? I am putting all my energy into raising my son, James. We've had our family portrait painted to show him as the true heir, King James Third. I wouldn't bet on it. How does your book end? The King of Poland looks like he's on his last legs. I might try that next. Can I be honest? If you want this to be a bestseller, you're going to need to zip it up a bit. Zip it up? Yes. Otherwise, we're going to need to give away a free gift with every copy to get sales up. A free gift? Like with John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. Had to give away a free pilgrim with every edition. That was an expensive marketing campaign, I can tell you. Now is it time for lunch? Next time, it's Mary II and the Codependency Counselor. Where's William? The Lost Tapes of History podcast is a Synth 79 production. If you've enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to get more episodes. To fact check what you've heard on this monarch, visit our website losttapesofhistory.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at Synth79P and use the hashtag Lost Tapes of History. 